Good morning. My name is Chris McDaniel. Welcome to our daily podcast. Glad to be with you on this Wednesday. I'm going to read a portion from Psalm 119, and then we're going to pray and spend just a little bit of time here today on this Wednesday looking at the Word of God and asking for insight and comfort as we walk through our day. I'll read, then we'll pray, then we'll think together. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was humbled, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The arrogant smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their hearts are fat and gross, but I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was humbled, so that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray, then we'll think together. Holy Spirit, we ask today that for your uh, illuminating, revealing light to come to us as we sit and think about the Bible. We pray, God, that you would help us to order not just our thoughts, but that our thinking of you would order our day. God, we ask that you would lead us, guide us direct us so that we would grow. Lord, it's our deepest desire to grow. We want to grow spiritually. So help us to do that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I chose this passage from our daily office readings because I I believe that here the writer has something uh, really critical, something important to share with us about what spiritual growth looks like. And the first thing I think that stands out here that's worthy of our consideration today is this. If we're going to be the kind of people who sustain spiritual growth, who grow in a kind of ongoing way, that growth will always be situated within an understanding that God is good. If we believe that God is uh, a cruel taskmaster or an exacting boss or manager, and we strive to please him, we will not be sustained in our spiritual growth. What the writer says here, and I think this is so important, he says at the beginning, you have dealt well with your servant. According to your word, he says, you have dealt well with your servant. What the writer here is saying is, uh, God, in the midst of a bunch of painful stuff, God has dealt well with his servant. And when the writer throws in the poet, according to your word, what he's saying here is that God has declared in his word that he will deal well with those of us who follow him, that he structured it to be so. Sustained spiritual growth is always situated within an understanding that God is good. And many of us, if we're honest, probably struggle to believe that God is good. How do we look out at a a pandemic or economic uncertainty or job loss or health vulnerability? How do we look at all the injustices going on around us and easily declare that God is good? I just want to say that it's possible. I believe that we are invited to believe that God is for us, even when we are facing trouble. And right now we're all facing trouble of one kind or another. So the the writer doesn't just leave it there. He doesn't just say, well, God's good, and I'm going to stick my head in the sand. I'm going to live in ignorance so that I can kind of believe like a child that God is good. The next thing out of his mouth is this, a prayer, a prayer that says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. Y'all, this is a really good prayer to pray, maybe especially now. I believe it's God's desire to answer a prayer like this, a prayer that says, teach me good judgment. 
But y'all, the way that God will teach us good judgment and knowledge is to slow down our mouths. Too many of us are reactive rather than reflective. And maybe this season has revealed that in you, a sense of reactivity, a a kind of anxious reactivity. If we're going to learn good judgment and receive the gift of knowledge from God, if he's going to be able to answer that prayer, it's our job to cooperate with him, slowing down. The word deliberation um, is a really important word, and I think it's actually the space where we learn and receive from God the gift of good judgment and knowledge. Deliberation is the space that exists between some stimulus and our response to the stimulus. Viktor Frankl says, between stimulus and response, there is a space, and in that space is our freedom, our salvation. God's way of teaching us good judgment and knowledge is to slow us down. And the truth of the matter is many of us are living our lives in entirely too reactive a space. Y'all, without the cultivation of reflective space, without making room for reflection, uh, regular space to step back, we will never grow in good judgment. We'll get it right sometimes, but we'll also get it really wrong at other times. And I think one good thing for you to be thinking about is how reactive are you? How tending toward reactivity are you? I believe that a a fundamental distinction that we have to learn how to make is to learn how to decipher and understand the difference between what it looks like when you're living reactively versus reflectively. We have to make space. If we don't make space, God can't answer our prayer. If we pray, God, teach me good judgment and knowledge, but live our lives in an entirely reactive way where we fill every waking moment and we try to solve all of our own problems and we move from one thing to another, one task to another, one distracting activity to another, we'll never become the kinds of people who are able to receive from God. Quiet spaces are where God teaches us good judgment and knowledge. And for some of us, we're so addicted to activity that we honestly don't know how to start. The first step would just be turn the radio off in your car. Cultivate intentional spaces of silence. That should grow into more and more of a commitment. For me, walking alone, reading my Bible in silence and solitude, asking God to teach me good judgment and knowledge, and then shutting my mouth. These are the places where God's able to enter into those parts of my heart that resist good judgment, and knowledge. Maybe the same is true for you. The poet then goes on to say, before I was humbled, I went astray. Now, it's interesting that he has just said, teach me knowledge and good judgment. And then he says, I I went away. There was a time when I did not possess good judgment, a time when I lacked knowledge. And he says, I suffered because of it. Guys, there are consequences for such lack in our lives. And the writer reminds himself that such pain can be instructive, that even the hurts when he lacked good judgment actually had a redemptive arc to them because he was able to identify instances in his own life where he had uh, received self-inflicted wounds, suffering because of a lack. And then he was able to say, God, teach me. So I would just ask you this, are you able to reflect back on your life and maybe identify instances where you too have experienced some self-inflicted suffering, suffering because of your own lack of judgment? What is God trying to teach you through those decisions or lack of decision-making prowess?
See, without reflective space, we'll continually flee from our failings rather than allowing them to teach us something. For me, even recently, being able to step back and reflect on a word carelessly spoken, a, a, a kind of harsh or sharp reaction to a family member or a friend, by creating space to think about that and then own that, repent of it, and then endeavor to go in a new direction, to be taught by God new skills, then I'm able to not just simply repeat the same mistake over and over and over again. See, some of us, we're in a rut. And maybe you're in a rut with the people closest to you. It, it almost always works out that way with our, our spouse or our friends or our children or our parents or a family member, a coworker. And I believe that for many of us, there's an invitation in front of us to step back and reflect and say, where am I suffering a self-inflicted wound? And God, what might you want to teach me? See, if you just hide from those wounds, if you pretend that they're not there, it doesn't make them less real. I believe the Lord wants there to be a redemptive arc, even to your suffering, even to the suffering that comes because of your own sin. And then the poet pivots, and y'all, this is really important, without an awareness of your own self-inflicted wounds, you'll never know the difference between being smeared with lies and going astray. See, the poet is able here in one little space to say, there was a time where I went astray because I wasn't living and acting like I should. I lack good judgment. But then he says, but currently I am following you and I'm being smeared with lies. See, because his heart has been instructed, he's able to tell the difference between pain he brought on himself and pain that others are looking to inflict on him. See, the sensation of pain is the same, but the roots of those two things are very different. When you're hurting because you're behaving uh, inappropriately or you're acting the part of a fool, that's very different from hurting because someone, an enemy, an adversary is out to get you. See, the poet now knows the difference. He can tell that some discomfort in his life is not due to his own sin. It's due to sabotage. And this has got me thinking a lot about sabotage. Uh, Ed Friedman, if, you, if you've listened to me for more than you know three minutes, you've probably heard me quote Ed Friedman in his book, A Failure of Nerve. Uh, outside the Bible, A Failure of Nerve is the only book I read uh, every year. I read it over and over again because it's that important. I, I think it's a game-changing book for self, um, self-leadership under the guidance of God. Um, Friedman writes about sabotage. He, he essentially describes sabotage as the resistance that we experience when we're making changes in our lives. And so much of this sabotage is internal. It's designed to keep us in check, to kind of keep us in a place of stasis or status quo. And it's my conviction right now that for many of us, it's time for us to make changes. It's time for us to press forward. I mean, even us, our leadership team here at Trinity, we're, we're moving beyond kind of hoping that this is all going to blow over to really saying it's time for us to forge a new way forward to step up in new times, new places, new ways, places that require good judgment and sure knowledge. But if you're ever going to move forward, knowing that you're going to take some risk, you're going to find some resistance inside yourself and maybe even some resistance coming from people you know and love or people who are around you at work or at home. See, the poet has learned the difference between sin pain and change pain. And I think he wants you and me to also know the difference because I'm going to tell you, 
If you endeavor to make changes in your life, you will experience some pain, some opposition, some resistance. And that's a little different than the pain you've experienced at other times in your life just when you were acting a fool. Pain coming from change, grown up, grown up suffering. Pain coming from immaturity and childishness, that's immature pain and suffering. And I believe that God wants us to know the difference and he wants us to progress. May God bless you, go in front of you. May you have his peace today to be faithful and to face the resistance. Bless you. Amen.